Yes, people, it is Thursday, which means it's time for this week's Echo Chamber. So, um, before we do anything, let's get into the top 10 films streaming in the UK right now. So, at number 10, I have to say, this is a very different top 10, people. So, at number 10 is Will Gluck's Peter Rabbit. So, this starred a voice cast of Rose Bryan, James Corden, Donald Gleason, and Margaret Robbie. At number 9, it is Tenant from Christopher Nolan, the great film. Um, Elizabeth Debicki, Robert Pattison, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, and John David Washington all starred in the feature. Um, Ruben Fleischer is at number eight with Venom. Okay, so uh, Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, Woody Harrelson, and Riz Ahmed um, all up in this film. So, at number seven is Matt Hodgson's The United Way. So, um, yeah, you've got many of the Man United team um, talking in this, like David Beckham, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Ryan Giggs, Eric Cantona, etc, etc. A new film at number six it is a virtuoso from director Nick Staglino. It stars Abby Cornish, Anthony Hopkins, Anson Mont, and Diora Bard. So we are now in the top five. And at number five, it is Spider-Man Far From Home from John Watts. So this had Tom Holland, Zayandra, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Jacob Balaton, all um, yeah, doing great things in this flick. So at number four, it's Jeff Womester's Justice Society World War Two. It's an animated feature with a voice cast of Stana Katik. Matt Bomber, Liam McIntyre, and Eliah Robenschneier. Hmm. Uh, at number three, it is uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Jack Zack Snyder, obviously. And you've got all of the um, DC heroes and whatnot in it. You got um, Harry Lennox, Ray Porter, Connie Nelson, Jared Leto, um, Ben Affleck, Gail Gadot. It ain't everyone, right? So at number two, it is um, Pat Jenkins. Paddy Jenkins's Wonder Woman 1984, uh, Gal Gadot, Kristen Wiig, Chris Pine, and Pedro Pascal. 
So at number one this week is The Little Things. So this is from John Lee Hancock, starring Denzel Washington, Gerard Leto, Rami Malik, and Natalie Morales. So people, that is the top ten from this week. Um, yeah, we've got three films before we get into those. Um, yeah, just a little bit of shudder information. Okay, Shudder fans, May is looking like it is going to be another great month from the premier horror streaming platform. Some of the highlight films coming, well, it all starts on the 7th of May with Fried Barry. So this is... A first directorial film from Ryan Kruger, who's, um, you know, an award-winning music video director. And it's starring Gary Green. Okay, so uh, basically, it follows the story of a drug-addled degenerate who, after yet another bender, gets Abducted by aliens, Barry takes a back seat as his alien visitor assumes control of his body and takes it for a joyride through Cape Town. What follows is an onslaught of drugs, sex and violence as Barry's alien tourist enters the weird and wonderful world of humankind. Dum dum dum. Alright, so we also have the following week on the 13th of May, The Reckoning. Okay, so um, this is from Neil Marshall. Now, everyone knows Neil Marshall. He's produced some, yeah, outstanding films and also directed a lot of Game of Thrones episodes. Right, so um, it's written by Marshall as well and starring Charlotte Kirk. Edward Evers Swindle. So the film um, is this, right? After losing her husband during the Great Plague, Grace Haverstock is unjustly accused of being a witch and placed in the custody of England's most ruthless witch hunter, Judge Moorcroft. Forced to endure physical and emotional torture while steadfastly maintaining her innocence, Grace must face her own inner demons as the devil himself starts to work his way into her mind. Ooh. Then, on the 20th of May, we've got PG Psycho Gorman. Okay, so um, this film is about young siblings Mimi and Luke unwittingly resurrect an ancient alien overlord who was entombed on Earth millions of years ago after a failed attempt to destroy the universe. They nicknamed the evil 
creature Psycho Gorman, PG for short, and used the magical amulet they discovered to force him to obey their childish whims. It isn't long before PG's reappearance draws the attentions of intergalactic friends and foes from across the cosmos, and a rogues gallery of alien combatants converges in small-town suburbia to battle for the fate of the galaxy. This is written and directed by Stephen Kostansky. Um, and it stars Anita Jose Hanna, Owen Amiri, Adam Brooks, Alexis Hansi, and Matthew Ninaber. Um, the last film debuting. Um, Shudder original, that is, is Skull the Mask. Alright, so um, this is written and directed by Armando Fonseca and Capel Furman. Alright, and um, it's starring Rurik Jr., who's um, a Brazilian champion wrestler. Wilton Andrade, Natalia Rodriguez, Ivo Muller, Ricardo Gelli, Guta Ruiz, Gilda Nanotz, and Tristan Aronovic. And, um, yeah, in the splatterfield supernatural slasher, a pre Columbian artifact contains the spirit of. And Hanaga, the executioner of the god Takawantaspa. Whoever wears the mask is possessed by Anahaga and compelled to commit sacrifices to resurrect his god. It's up to a museum assistant and a policewoman to stop the slaughter before the ritual is completed. It's some classic 80s slasher throwback action for you people. And um, yeah, every Friday of May, you will be getting new episodes of The Last Drive-In with Bob Joe Bob Briggs. So there is that as well, people. I mean, hey, if, um, you know, that doesn't tell you... I don't know what will, you know, there's also going to be, you know, some new additions to the Shudder classic movie library, so the 1973 Wicker Man, the 1959 House on Haunted Hill, the 99 version of House of Haunted Film, the 1960s 13 Ghosts, you know, that's just to name a few, so people, if you do not have Shudder, how do you call yourself a horror fan? Okay, people, so now we've got all of that out the way, it's time for this week's film. So sit back and let's go. And a choice between two films, man. And both were dealing with things that, you know what I mean, it's just like, 
I don't know if I want to watch this. I don't know if I want to, yeah, just have to kind of deal with this, man. Because it's always tough. Always tough shit. But I decided to go with I Am All Girls. Right? This is a new South African, um, like, thriller that's just hit Netflix. It's directed um, by Donovan Marsh. Written by Wayne Fitzjohn and Marcel Genreff. Uh, it is starring... Oh, well, actually, it's produced by Josua Malherbe, uh, Lucia Maya Maris. Um, music is from Brendan Jury. Cinematography is Trevor Cavalli, edited by Lucien Bernard. Okay, and the cast is um, Dion Lotz as F.J. Nolte, Erica Weasel as Jodie Cinnamon. Um, she's one of the main characters, as is... Um, Kubi Moboya as Nitomznok Bapapi. Uh, so we then have um, Mazasa Mongangi as Famsangpka. Brendan Daniels as investigating officer Samuel Adans. Uh, Mofusi Magano as Captain George Molaki. Um, I there's some of the main ones. Oh man, <sighs> I cannot pronounce the names. Ah, uh, but um, okay. So the gist of the film is uh, is this. On the hunt to bring down a global human trafficking ring, detectives Numba Zanki and um, Jody Cinnamon battle their own dark secrets and go on all-consuming journey. I mean, listen, this it, it is one of those films, man. It's like there's a lot in it that is rough. Now, we don't necessarily see, you know, anything bad, right? But it's implied, right? We, we know what certain situations are leading to. Like, when a door shuts, you know what's going to happen, right? When they press play on the video, you know what that tape is showing. Right, so there's a lot of that, and it's just, oh my god, it, it, it's infuriating, it's sad, it's just, ugh, man, it's terrible, right, you don't, you don't want to see it, but it's true, right, this stuff, this stuff happened, right, this is, it's based on a true story, you know, 
based on the true story stuff that actually took place in South Africa, right? And um, I think it was kind of uncovered, you know, the handover during apartheid and all of that when, um, you know, ugh. but yeah, it, it's just, it's dealing with human trafficking, right? Just young girls that have been kidnapped, like some of them shipped to uh, the Middle East, right? So they, um, you know, they, they, they say it's, you know, and it does make sense, right? It's because, you know, there was apartheid in South Africa, right? So all those embargoes, which meant you couldn't get certain things, right? So, yeah, this this was like one of those little backhand deals to get stuff, right? We We ship you this and you do this for us. You know, kind of, it's just foul, just foul, right? You want to kind of be anyone that is involved in that kind of thing. Put them down, you know what I mean? Put them down, there is no space for that, right? I don't know, man, there's certain things where you're just like, okay, I'm not really... I'm not really down for certain things, but, you know, when you kind of see stuff like this, you're like, you know what, fuck them all, right, fuck them all, anyone that's done it, anyone that's caught doing them, align them up, this is just, ugh, so, the film starts, and we've got a guy getting interviewed with the police. So there's information comes on screen telling you, you know, what I just said, basically, you know, that it's based on true events that actually took place. Um, and then we see a guy, right? He's being interviewed by the police. And he's like, um, you know, I, I'm not telling you this to try and get time off my sentence. Um, I just, you know, I was just thinking, and I think the girls need closure right so he says um you know me and my girlfriend were um kidnapping girls you know so the ones that you've reported missing there's more there's a lot more and he's like um yeah he he tells and he's like oh and these people are involved and a government minister but i can't name the government minister because i'll be killed when it's a bit like yeah, but you just even referring to any of this, you're getting murked, right? You you know you're getting murked. But, you know, so he, yeah, lets them know. But we don't see any more, right? So we kind of go from that. Then we are um, um, at a park, right? And... There's this kind of older white guy who we've kind of seen, like his picture shows up in some of the telling of the the, the story this um guy in prison had, right? But we see him, he's at a park, 
looking at these girls on swings and you're like, oh, he's super creepy. But then he calls the girls over, they're his grandkids. So he drives them home and they go in the house, right? And as he's stopping the car, someone comes, zaps him, right? So you're like, oh, right. So we see all of that go down, right? And... You know, because the story kind of jumps between different timelines and a few different kind of incidents, you know, which kind of makes it all okay. So we then jump and we're following um, our main cop, right? We are with, um, oh gosh, we're with Jody, And... She goes with her team, you know, they raid this house. Um, the guy they're looking for jumps out of a window. She chases him, can't track him down. So they've just got loads of evidence in the house, but no, no person. So when they're back in the station, you know, her boss is like, listen, you're raiding all these places, but we're not arresting anyone. Like, if we don't have arrests, we can't keep this shit going on. Right, and so that's causing friction because you know no one wants to shut this shit down. But you know, then again, if you're reporting, you need you know, evidence and all of this. So it's like these they're setting up these kind of situations, right? And he pulls her from the case, gives her another case, gives her the case of the white dude that we saw pick up his grandkids. Right, which then kind of leads further into the old case, right? Because everything, all of these things are kind of interconnected, and we're seeing all of this. And so we're having this main story play out, but then we're kind of getting more kind of information on. The stuff from what the guy said at the beginning, who's, you know, giving his story to the police. And within that, so we're seeing the whole kind of breakdown of what their operation is. You know, so all of this, it's all very, uh, it's all very hard to watch. Right, because we're seeing girls getting transported and taken to places and, you know, treated like cattle. And you're just watching this and it's just like, oh no. But I think you're watching it and you kind of understand what is happening, right? Where this is kind of leading to. Because, you know, one of the other officers that works at the, um, you know, station, uh, Detective Nitom Biznaku, right? So she's, I think she's kind of in a relationship with Jody, right? I mean, kind of, I think, or they just get intimate at one point, right? But... You're you're watching it and you're seeing how she's kind of tied into all of this because they're all there's all these connections. There's all these connections and reasons why 
these officers want to be involved in this case. And, you know, I, I did think it was, right, the the motivations and everything like that, I think that's handled pretty well, right? We're seeing this story and, you know, you're tying everyone into it, right? So we get these, I think they're nicely shot pieces, right? These these actions and you know all of this stuff to give you this sense of right. So it's to build up the tension, build up the tension when you know there's a a raid on a house or they're searching something. You know everything is really keyed in well. Right, focus is shifting from characters, we're spinning around, you know, we're seeing everything. It's, it's, you know, it's very compelling, right? Now, the story itself, right, it's, it's dark, it is believable. You would watch it and you'd be, yeah, no, no, obviously, right? For certain things to go down, there needs to be certain connections, right? So you are seeing all of that, but then you're also seeing how these things can consume you, right? So they can consume you and cause you to do things that you wouldn't normally do, right? And these actions can compromise a case, right? So we're seeing all of this and, is it, I, I, you know, yes, I will say... That there are kind of bits that are a little convenient, right? You you would kind of think that a, a scene that we see towards the end of the film, when you know connections are starting to be made, you're a bit like, I'm surprised that shit wasn't made earlier. You know what I mean? With everything that's going down, you'd think surely, surely. You know what I mean? And I think also, as a police officer, you'd think Jody might be a bit better of um, knowing how to get around a situation. Like, when you're asked certain information, not giving an answer or turning your head away is pretty obvious that, yeah, you're concealing something. You know more than you're letting on. You know, you're a bit like, come on, man, you could do better than that, right? So that was a bit like, mm, I don't know, man. But, you know, I, I think the story is, it's good enough for you to forgive stuff like that, right? It's, I think, because I think everyone's rooting for a certain outcome, Right? Like, you don't want to think that these people got away. You know, that there's no redemption. There's no, you know, way that this can come to a conclusion that is fitting. Right? So, as things heat up, you know, people are getting... Things are happening. Now, I will say again that you would kind of think that all of these people who are all connected, once 
one dies, you might go, hmm, well, I guess that happens. Another one dies in the same manner, you would be like, hold on, something is going down, right? But no one really seems to be upping their security, which is a, it's an odd thing, right? And I think there is a, there's a character in here who, who does some stuff to help out, right? But still stays in the situation. And I mean, yes, I can imagine a whole heap of reasons why, but I think it would have been, I think it would have helped maybe, you know, to have something to kind of, I don't know, have someone ask her why, right? Because it, yeah, there's, there's a lot of, uh, like, you think if someone can get out, then how come you couldn't, right? So there's, there's certain things like that that do make you kind of wonder. But, um, yeah, no, I did like the film. And I liked the way, I liked the way it ended, right? Even though, right? The ending is a little bit how, right? How did they get to that point? How did they, you know, subvert all that other stuff? But it it is still, you're like, okay, all right, yeah, good, 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 good. I'm on board for this, right? And I hope what happens next is, right, so you are left on that point. But, I mean, in general, I would say this is a a good film. You know, it's a good film. It's not something that you necessarily going to recommend to everyone, right? Just because everything that it's dealing with, and as I said, look, it doesn't show stuff, but... Just the implications just make your skin crawl. You know what I mean? It is uncomfortable. It is definitely uncomfortable. Now, I think what's very interesting is the film is kind of using its um, socials, right, as a call for action, as it were. You know? Right? So, um, what it says on its Facebook page is this, right, in the about section. I Am All Girls is more than a movie. It's a movement uniting us to do more for the women of tomorrow, helping us come together to end gender violence and keep our wives, daughters, sisters and friends safe. Unharmed, untouched, she will rise. Which, I yeah, no, that's fair, right? That's, that's a fair thing. But I f- kind of feel that... The story is more than that Because this is dealing with the corruption That lets these things happen Right, because, you know Man, I think at the end of the film It said something like 500,000 women are trafficked every year Right, and you're just like Oh, for fuck You know, over half of a children and less than one percent are ever recovered, right? Which is just, ugh, it's horrendous, right? But 
for all of that to go down, you know that there is corruption, right? Whether it's a whole department in a government, a person, you know, there are people taking backhanders, there is all of this going on. So I think that's the thing that needs to be fought. Right? Because listen, I could I would, you know, and I have, you know, stopped people hitting, you know, a girl in a club and stuff like that. But that's you know listen, that's not a, a, a terrible thing, right? That's always a good thing to do, but it's the higher level stuff, right? It's that that needs to be brought under question. It's that where the, the spotlight needs to be placed because, you know, how the fuck is this shit going on, right? How is this, all this going on? People, because we know people use ship containers and, like, we know the routes that are being used, but still, nothing can get stopped, right? It is, it's weird, it's weird, right? So, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel that, it, you know, this call for action needs to be placed at a higher level, Right? And just come out and just say it, right? Because the language used, it's all well and good, right? But it is all a little bit wishy-washy. It's a little bit uncommittal. Because, you know, just, oh, we should keep people safe is, you know, yeah, that's like standard, right? That's a standard thing that... Let's say, look, the majority of people hold to You know what I mean? You've got that foul, you know, percentage that are doing the things But, yeah, I I think we need to aim higher with these aspirations But, yeah, look, it's a good film It is worth watching But caution yourselves, people, because... Yeah, it, it, you know what I mean? It's dealing with some tough shit, alright? But, um, I Am All Girls is streaming on Netflix. Yo, so the woman in the window has now hit Netflix. We finally get to see the film. And, um, there is a lot of talk. <laughs> there is a lot of talk on this film, people. Which, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know, right? It it feels like there's a lot of judgment on stuff that happened before the film came out. Rather than the product that is in front of us. And maybe people are judging on the book. You know what I mean? Like the version we see on the film It might be a lot different I haven't read the book You know But I did watch the film Did watch the film So it um, Well as I say Look it's a book right It was a, a 2018 best selling book By AJ Finn Um, Now it was adapted by Tracy Letts Right, Tracy Letts, who has been in a couple of um, 
yeah, films I really enjoyed. Well, I mean, it was in The Big Short, which was great. Uh, Lady Bird, which was interesting. I really enjoyed Ford and Ferrari, you know. And The Lovers, right? The Lovers, which was fantastic. Fantastic. And he writes, right? He, he, you know, he writes films and plays and whatnot. So he was brought on to adapt it. Uh, it's directed by Joe Wright, right? You know, he directed what? Uh, Pride and Prejudice, Atonement, Hannah. You know, all very good films. The Darkest Hour was meant to be good. I never got around to watching that. But uh, so there's a lot of pedigree there. You know, um, the music is by Danny Elfman. Cinematography, Bruno de Bonello, edited by Valerio Bonelli. So, you mean, talent after talent after talent involved. Then you've got Amy Adams playing Dr. Anna Fox. Gary Oldman, he plays Alistair Russell. Um, you've got Anthony Mackie, he plays Ed, Edward Fox, Anna's husband. Uh, we've got, um, gosh, who else? Oh, Maria Bozeman plays Olivia Fox, Anna and Edward's daughter. Then there's um, Ethan Russell. He's played by Fred Heinchinger. Okay. Then we've got... Um, Jason Jennifer Lee, she plays Jane Russell, Alistair's wife. Juliana Moore, she plays, um, yeah, she plays a character. God damn. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Jeannie Sorellas plays Detector Norelli. We've got, um, Brian Tyree Henry plays Detective a little, right? Um, yeah, I think they're our, our, our major players here. Hmm. Yes. Oh, um, also, uh, we've got Wyatt Russell, right? From, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. He plays David Winter, Anna's tenant. Right, so, um, yeah, they're the kind of um, bare bones of the film. Now, the, the gist of it all, right, what is this film about, you may ask? Well, um, and yeah, I don't know the, um, the book, but it's uh, From Across the Wheat, Anna... Witnesses a shocking crime But the deeper she digs For the truth The faster her world Unravels bum, bum, bum. So yes <laughs> There you have that And uh Yeah We open up Right We kind of pan through you know, to give a, a, a an idea of the settings, 
right? And to give the viewer a hint of what's going on, right? So we see space, a lot of space. It's dark. Anna's in bed and she's talking to her daughter on the phone. Um, then she talks to her husband and they're talking about, you know, the, the, the neighborhood, right? Neighbors have just moved in, the Russells. And listen, like straight away, we get a sense, oh, she doesn't go outside for a reason, right? So um, that's all given to us, right? Then, you know, Ethan stops by, right? And um, we get this interaction, which again gives us more information about, um, because he's the son, of, as mentioned, of uh, the Russells. So he moves it, he comes, gives a, a candle his mum had got for them, right? And uh, he's he's a little awkward, right? But, you know, Anna's a psychiatrist, a child psychiatrist. So, you know, they interact on that. And, yeah, you, you get this kind of baseline for our story here. Which, you know, is, you're intrigued, right? You kind of be like, okay, so what's, what's going to happen? And so we find out, though, in that conversation that she's agoraphobic. You know, uh, she's unable to go outside, right? A, a fear of, of that, which is, uh, you know, what agoraphobia is. So, yeah, it adds this, like, oh, okay. And just to hammer it home, right, we, we have an incident where she tries to go outside, you know, Halloween and all of that, and, uh, yeah, doesn't work. Doesn't work, which then has her talking with Jane Russell. So they talk and everything like that, which leads into more and more of this whole incident. Right now, she thinks she sees a murder at one point because yeah, she, she doesn't go outside. She's just staring out the window. And the big question is, does she? Because the response, it all gets a little, hmm... Now, I will say, right, I, I liked the way that, you know, the, the, the sound was used to create atmosphere. So we had that. Also, right, lighting. Lighting is a big thing here. So she's, you know, she likes to keep the house kind of dark, which creates shadows and everything like that. We also get the camera, right? The, the way our scenes are set up. Now, she lives in a huge friggin' brownstone, right? And you kind of think, like, how the hell she formed this huge... Like, it's always a thing, you know what I mean? You, you had programs and people live in these huge, huge houses. But the jobs, although the jobs might seem... Yeah, job seems fine, but it's still... Sometimes you're like... Does that job mean that they could afford that? I don't know. But yeah, she lives in this huge spot. And they used that spot again to give this sense of vastness. 
right? Because her whole thing seems to be, but she only seems to inhabit a couple of rooms, right? She's in the living room, watching TV, on her laptop, or in the kitchen, right, where the window is, and she's looking outside the window, like everything passing by. We don't really get a sense that she goes many other places. Sometimes to um, the stairs where the basement is, because that leads down to the flat where her tenant, David, resides, right, so, yeah, and, and this cameras, the space, right, it all creates this vastness which she then is having to inhabit, right, which also gives a sense of her isolation, being alone, and we all of that, you know, I think it works pretty well. You know, you really are sold on this thing. So, you know, through all these conversations and everything she has, right, there is this, I don't know, tendency to not fully be able to gauge things or get lost in things, right? You can see, and, you know, we understand, right, she's on all of this medication, you know, she tells the therapist she doesn't drink, but she, she drinks, right, and through the way the story is told, it is shown, yeah, she's drinking a lot, she's kind of self-medicating, right, she's kind of self-medicating, and, um, you get that sense, so, you do wonder sometimes with some of the things that she says or the way she acts, is it related to this? Right? So then with the whole murder situation, again, this is this is brought home to a situation of is she reliable? Is she reliable? And about an hour into the film. We get this huge, huge bombshell drop on us, which makes you doubt every single thing. Every single thing. Now, I thought, right, that our our cast give us some great performances. You know, I I kind of feel that Adams. You know, she does give us this this woman who's a bit reclusive. She's dealing with a lot, right? Thinks a therapist is against her, you know, doubts people. But you can also see that she wants to try and help, right? She wants to help Ethan. You know, she wants to help Jane. You know, you definitely see that. So... Although, yeah, it, it, you know, we got we got someone who's troubled, but when we got these other layers, you know, you can see the love she has for, you know, and how she kind of brightens up hearing her daughter and her husband. So all of that is is evident. Then there's the fear and the worry of her agoraphobia, how that's affecting. And I thought Adams does a very good job at showing us this, right? Oldman as Alistair Russell, he, um, yeah, he definitely switches it up, right? Which is good. 
It's good. It keeps you like, ooh, <laughs> what is this dude capable of, right? I think that's all played very well. And we, as I said, look, there's these twists in the story, which everyone, I think, handles pretty well, right? You don't, I wouldn't say that you, you know, see it coming. Now, I, I've seen places that say, oh, it's so obvious. I didn't really think it was, right? Now, maybe I missed some stuff. Hey, but yeah, for me, our, our cast, yeah, play those bits up very well. I will say, right, there is a thing with David the Tenant. That seemed a bit much, right? I don't know if we needed that. It just seemed an extra thing to add on to the situation. And then when, because, you know, she's looking for a cat. So there's a reason for some of the things that happen. But when asked, she doesn't say that, which, you know, it's a logical response. Right, it's a logical response So I don't know why it wasn't just Oh, I was looking for my cat So that whole thing Seemed a bit Out there It really did, but The end Oh, I will say The police reaction did seem A little, hmm Right Did I, like, I don't know if there was A need for you know, some of the things that happened in that response, right, it did seem a little, uh, I wonder why, but it is what it is, you know, but yeah, at the end, oh, I did like the end, now you are expecting something, but what we do get, I don't think it is, uh, you know, necessarily what you might have thought And I thought, oh, that works very well Right, the, the logic for it all And the whole, you know What I'm going to do Oh, I just want, you know what I mean, all of that Yeah, all of that Yeah, I, I, I think that works That definitely works Right, and I liked the the flat the, you know the, the the kind of the memories and all of that how it's relayed now because yeah we have got a film that is you know based in the dark in a few rooms it would be hard probably to kind of follow where everything is you know but so we do get these like uh Indicators, you know, it's like Monday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday. So you kind of understand the span of everything. And I think that that's that works. That you know, I think you you do you can follow the timeline of the piece. So yeah, I will say right. If you enjoyed, um. You know, stuff like uh, Gone Girl, right? A, a Simple Favour, um, Woman on a Train, then I think you will like, 
you know, woman in the window. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think that works. And I would say I preferred this to um the film version of Gone Girl. I like the book of Gone Girl. Uh, the the film I found a little flat. I like this more, right? And I liked it more than Woman on the Train. You know, not say, listen. That's just my my opinion. But yeah, I I will say as I said. Look, if you like those films, then this. I think this relates very well to those. So, yeah, if you did, then, yeah, go check it out. And, listen, I would definitely tell you to check it out and give your own judgment than rather go by a lot of the things that are out there from, you know, The Guardian, the BBC, all of that, all the critics, because a lot of times people, you know, it's Cool to jump on a bandwagon to rip things down. Look at me rant. Ooh, big guy, big woman. You know what I mean? Rather than just be like, nope, I don't care what anyone says, I enjoyed that. Because we can all enjoy different things. You know what I mean? And just because, you know, an author might be accused of some shenanigans. Right, a film might have a, a, you know, a difficult time coming to our screens. Doesn't always mean it's bad. I mean, look, if we were looking at that, you'd think Rogue One was going to be trash because that had a lot of craziness. But Rogue One was great, and I was hey David Gilroy who jumped onto the Rogue One at the end. He did the same with this film as well. So, um, yeah, people, The Woman in the Window is now on Netflix. And I would say, definitely worth a watch. Okay, people, sometimes when you see something that looks just weird, right? That can be a good thing. And head towards the light. <laughs> this week... Psycho Gorman is released, and um, I don't know what to say. This is a weird ass film. It's weird. It's Canadian. I mean, they kind of go hand in hand, right? It is written and directed by Stephen Kostansky, uh, produced by Kostansky, Shannon Hammer. And Stuart F. Andrews. The music is by Blitz Berlin. Cinematography is Angel Appel. Appel edits it with Kostansky. Um, yes. Uh, well, let's get to the cast. Well, you have Nita Josie Hannah as Mimi. Owen Meyer as Luke, their brother and sister. Um, their dad, Greg, is played by Adam Brooks. Their mum, Susan, is played by Alexi Hansi. You then have got Psycho Gorman, PG for short. He is um, played by Matthew Ninabar and voiced by Stephen Valhaus. Um, Kirsten 
McCoach plays Pandora. And um, Rick Evans plays a Death Trapper. One of PG's generals. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is such, it's such a weird film, people. Right? The jest is this. Siblings Mimi and Luke unwittingly resurrect an ancient alien overlord who was entombed on Earth millions of years ago after a failed attempt to destroy the universe. They nicknamed the evil creature Psycho Gorman, or PG for short, and used the magical amulet they discovered to force him to obey their childish whims. It isn't long before PG's reappearance draws the attention of intergalactic friends and foes from across the cosmos, and a rogue's gallery of alien combatants converges in small town suburbia to battle for the fate of the galaxy. <laughs> so yes, that is PG Gorman. And um yeah, so we open up with one of those scrolls, right? Red light writing across the screen. I have to say, red, very hard to see. Not a good choice, people. But there is, the, you know, the audio, so that's fine. And it gives us the backstory on PG, how he tried to take over the world, and all of that, but was captured. And then entombed, and if he ever escapes, you know, the world's going to pay, blah, blah, blah. Right, so um, there is that. Then, we, um, yeah, all of a sudden... We're with Mimi and Luke, and they're playing this game. Yeah, playing a game called, um, oh gosh, it's Curveball. Curveball? I think that, I feel that's the name, which, gotta say, does look kind of fun, right? I kind of feel that, yeah, they, they should, um, yeah, bring that to life for real. You know what I mean? If you can do dodgeball, you can do curveball. But they're playing this game and they're little psychos. <laughs> and um, as part of the punishment for the loser, it is to bury themselves. <laughs> so they have to dig a hole. And in digging the hole, that's how they unlock. PG, find this amulet thing, take that, everything goes a little weird, right, now they go off, and um, yeah, overnight PG emerges, and wrecks havoc, it's kind of like that, you know, the scene in um, Terminator, right, when he goes into the bar, it's like, give me your boots, <laughs> and I'll take your sunglasses too, <laughs> yeah, we see PG, um, yeah, causing a little trouble, but when Luke and Mimi find him, because, you know, kids be dumb, uh, he tries to attack them, but they've got the amulet, well, they're saying Mimi's got the amulet, 
And, um, yeah, he can't kill them, which is good. And it's odd, right? Because the film, it kind of goes through these weird stages, right? So when, when we first see it, it seems like, oh, it's this possibly a family film, right? Then when he and PG emerges and you see him do his thing, you're like, oh, right, no, it's not a family film. Okay, are we getting into this action horror kind of situation maybe? But then it turns into this kind of alien... Buddy movie kind of thing, right? It, it goes through all of these weird guises. Um, not a bad thing, definitely not a bad thing. And I think one of the joys of it is its ridiculousness, right? It's just Every turn where you think, and, you know, we see films like this, right, and, um, you know, they go in a certain way, right, someone's be like, hey, you know, we shouldn't do that, that is bad, and like, you know what, you're right, I'm really sorry, and I'm going to be like, no, go to frick, that's this one, you know what I mean, it's just, they don't care, Mimi is a Psycho, straight up psycho, and I gotta say, hats are just straight up off when it comes to um, yeah, the performance from uh, Nita, um, Nita Jose Hannah because she really kills it in this role. Because, you know, there's moments when she's sweet and nice and then just flips on a dime and she's maniacal. Like, maniacal. With some, let's say, 80s, 90s era WWF, WWE thrown in. You know, a bit like Macho Man Randy said, What you gonna do, brother? Huh? You gonna get in the way? I'm the Mimi. Or are these ten inch arms gonna run all over you? Huh? You know what I mean? She kind of channels that. And it is fun. Right? It is fun. How this little girl is beating on her brother and everyone else involved. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Right? Now, we do get some odd stuff happening. Like, the relationship between their parents seems to, to suddenly flip during the film, which, I don't know, like, you do wonder about it, but it does pull it back, and even when it's flipped, right, it's the absurdity of everything, and the way both characters, you know, do their thing, Right and complement the, the and bring the story to life. You're not mad at it, right? So yeah, it's just man. There, there's these moments like one of 
Oh my gosh, one of the the best lines, right? There's some funny shit in here, but they um when they go to visit PG in this um shoe factory, right? He uh he gives you know Mimi gives him some magazines. He's like, you know, he pretends and tries to kill them, and he he can't. She's just like, anyway, we brought you some magazines to keep you company. And he's like, ah, materialistic stuff. Ugh, how do your life forms deal with this? He's like, ah, don't worry about this. It's got pictures of hunky boys. He's like, I don't care about hunky boys. Or do I? <laughs> it was just, right, it's because, you know, it's all about delivery, right? And if it was just, I don't care about hunky boys, or do I? You know, but it was the pause, and then it's the or do oh man, it it just cracks you up, and then there is this gold moment towards the end when um everything is going to hell, and Mimi goes into the room, and there is a one of those um crosses with Jesus hanging off it. In the room on the wall And just that scene Kind of sums up the movie And what a little maniac movie is And it is great right? Because there is a moment When you see it And you're like Wait what? Why would that character do that? I don't understand And then it flips And you're like Yes that's the Mimi I'm growing to love, people. That's the way you do it. You know what I mean? So, uh, man, fun. Just fun. And listen, the, the Rogue Gallery, gotta say, goofy as a motherfucker. Right? It, it's a little bit like a cross between. I don't know, Mighty Morphin's Power Rangers, um, Xena, Hercules, those sort of films. And you do, uh, right, I, I was worried, right, I was a little bit like, I don't know about this, man. You know, it was like when you see the kids, and it's just like, oh, no, is this just going to be a goofy fucking kids film? I don't really want to watch a goofy-ass kids film, but it's, yeah, it's not, it's not, and the, you know, the, the effects on these bad guys, it's, it is goofy, right, and, like, you, you're watching it, and you're like, uh, it's kind of bad, it's just kind of, ugh, I don't know, but I kind of, you get the impression that, actually, I think that's the point. Right, it is kind of a throwback to like 70s, 80s, you know, those B films. Right, so you're kind of like, you know what, fuck it, I'm down with it, man. And you just, yeah, you just embrace it all. I think what we're seeing is basically what would happen if some bloody kids. Got them hands on this amulet, right? Because they're they're insane. Like 
when PG is, you know, telling his history to them, and they're just, you know, kids get distracted, and it's just like, boring, <laughs> just like, ugh, way to bring it down, dude, or, um, you know, it's just like, um, start, you know, the amount of times he started to tell, or, you know, do stuff, and he'd be like, um, anyway, and just completely interrupt, and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is, this is crazy, but that's the joy of the film, right, it's just absurd, it's just absurd, you know, just with a lot of the stuff, like, um, Alistair, that character, kind of gets the raw end of the deal, ain't gonna lie, right, but, you know, just the way all of that happens, and then the way everyone around interacts with it. You're just like, you know what? Okay. Alright, let's just fucking do it, man. But yeah. It is it it's weird. It's odd. You know, there's the you know, the moral there is like a moral compass to the film. You know? But it's a little twisted, but there is definitely one, and, and that's, you know, great, and I don't know who said it, right, someone once said that if a film has a song in it at the end, towards the end, you know it's going to be good, and a PG Gorman the musical number in P.G. Gorman, you're just like, firstly, is this the time, right, is this the time for that, because I don't know, but you're just like, what, and it's hilarious, it's just straight up funny, along with the 80s rap the end, watch the end credits, because there is a ends cut-off kind of scene, and the rap, the end of credits rap is, oh, man, it was a joy, because it just takes you back to all those really bad films, with the really bad raps in, and you're just like, wait, what the fuck is this? <laughs> So, people, PG Gorman is out today. You can find it on Shudder. Shudder? Yeah, people, Shudder. If you're horror fans, you should know what the fuck Shudder is, and you should have a subscription. If you don't, I question if you even like horror. That's right, people. Now, there are so many great films on the platform so you should go check it out, and if I was you as well, people, if you've got a little sister, be nice to them, right, because they, at one point, could have your life in the grasp of their hands, and you want to make sure that, yeah, your relationship is good, because those little monsters, god damn, cold-blooded, is not the word, 
<laughs> so you have been warned, right? You have been warned. Oh man, PG Gorman, it is goofy and a hey, goofy at times, people, is a good thing. You know, is a good thing. And if an evil overlord, you know, asks you, um, okay, can I kill, you know, you and everyone else and, you know, make that choice, right? Make that choice. No, don't kill me. And then just leave it at that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I don't think you're going to be disappointed if you liked, um, I'd say Scare Package, right? The, the Scare Package, it's got that similar odd vibe to a lot of those um, shorts that were involved in that. Um, it's kind of got that slacks kind of humour as well. So, yeah. It is hey, I definitely highly recommend it. So yeah, go check it out. PG Gorman. Boom.